What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Aaron says something that totally annoys you. You can just be like... <laughs> but, but, like, it has to swing out, right? It's gonna... <laughs> so we're, we're live. Just in case you guys oh, are wondering, so I didn't know that. Oh, well, you know, I just I just figured we were having such a fun discussion about school buses <laughs> that it would be a shame Is not to go ahead and go live. Understandable, understandable. And How we're dare early. you, Aaron Dicer? How dare you? We're five minutes early, so do we just talk about our random school buses for five That's minutes? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking. So explain the explain, uh, Cap, where, how you saw a school bus. Well, if yeah, well, this is gonna be a lot like cloud uh, watching, right? If if uh, if you can see Danae on your on your screen, because sometimes with Google Plus, she's right. Uh, she's right down. Here if I, if I start here. talking, then I might pop up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so be quiet, Danae, so I can make this point. If you, I'm just kidding. Um, if uh, if you can actually see Danae, because sometimes you can see the squares and sometimes you can't. Um, it, behind her, if if you look, if, if it's small enough, she looks like she's in front of the school bus. Like there's like a big red light there, and like it's yellow around it. And like I, I saw this when we started talking earlier, and then I felt really self-conscious about it, because I was like, holy crap, that's not a school bus, why am I stupid? <laughs> and then, it flipped back to her square, and I was like, no, I still see it, you know? It's like an optical illusion, she's in front of a school bus! That's and right. uh, I've, been, I've been fixated on this for ten minutes now. That and yeah. the, the fact that you're drinking a Capri Sun, yeah, which is what Danae is fixated on. I well, am. I I have to do something kind of mondo quirky every show. So uh, today it's Capri Sun, which I, I I tend to do more on videos lately. And then uh, you know last week I had or a couple weeks ago I had the the the, the big Batman uh, headphones yeah. and yeah, so it's gotta be something wacky. Maybe next next time I'll wear my duct tape tie. Ooh, yes please. Now I feel like I'm supposed to do something crazy. Uh, no, all you have to do is sit in front of the school bus. Okay, well that's done. Check. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off just a couple minutes ahead of time. Uh, any live watchers will catch up, I'm sure, very, very quickly. And of course, we need to kick it off, Danae, with oh. our theme song. Are well, you ready? Are you not? Do you not have it pulled up? Are you not ready? No, I have to just get our image. Okay. Here, All which right. I have now because we we drew this image. Um, really? I thought we had hired that out professionally. I wasn't. No, no. This is this is the critic. And there's the geek. 
and there's the girl. That was and a very the... lame song, Danae. That didn't this even sound like you were singing. The critic, he's legit the geek. His brain won't quit the girl. She's a perfect fit. It's the critic, the geek, and the girl. Yay! I like the little vaudeville kind of flair at the end there. Wow. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I still, yeah, think I, prefer your, I still think I prefer your song from last time, though. <laughs> it's the credit. He knows stuff. <laughs> He's the geek. He knows stuff. And she's the girl. And she's got eyelashes. <laughs> well, welcome to episode three of The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl. We're going to talk about a few things uh, today. Also want to remind you that we have Q&A turned on for The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl, which is a really cool thing. And we're learning even more about how it works uh, so I want to say right up front, if you cannot join us live, if you're watching this recorded, you can still get in on asking questions through the Q&A anytime after the event page is live, which we're going to try to get those up about a week before the show. So they will be live. You'll see links on our social networking and those kind of things. You just go to the event page. You click where it says Q&A up in the upper right-hand corner, and you just type in your question. It'll be there waiting for us when we start the show. Uh, so, and we actually had you know somebody do that this week and so we're excited we've got that question maybe they couldn't make it live also it allows us to uh, ask questions ourselves so that we can have time markers for where you can go for certain things so for instance if you're interested in um, you know one of the segments but maybe not necessarily another one if you go to the event page and watch this uh, there you'll see a list of the questions and you just click on the segment you want to go to it'll go straight there and that goes for any questions that are asked as well so it kind of indexes it by time makes it really nice you can kind of flip through and watch what you want to watch so I'm, I'm really impressed with this app and, and uh, just wanted to let you know that that's there so you can use it yeah we think it's pretty cool like, wouldn't it be great if there's some kind of easy uh, like instructions or tutorial or something <laughs> or you would have known that ahead of time also uh, let me throw out real quick that uh, folks ought to use that to give us topic suggestions because yeah. we're, we're going to be doing this every two weeks and you're going to have two weeks to uh, see what interesting uh, entertainment news and stuff pops up, and we do we do segments on major important stuff going on. So if something pops up and you're like, oh man, I want to see them talk about this, you know, you don't have to just ask us questions. You can just say, hey, you guys want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to ask super random questions, you can ask a random question, and maybe we'll answer it. Could have to do with nothing. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, and you don't have to because we will choose kind of what pops up there in the list. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about asking a stupid question because we won't, yeah. we just won't pick it. Actually, yeah, there, are no, there, are no stupid or, <laughs> there are no stupid questions. Actually, ask those are my favorite kind. Exactly. Ask oh. about our phobias. That'd be fun. Onward. <laughs> what if my what if my phobia is that people will ask me what I'm afraid of? Well, then you're in the wrong business, Mr. Critic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the three segments that we will get to, and then we'll uh, answer some questions as well. Uh, we did want to talk first about Philip Seymour Hoffman, passed away unexpectedly through a drug overdose, and we wanted to kind of cover some of our favorite parts of his work and kind of any thoughts on that. Uh, segment two, we wanted to talk a little bit about not just the new Hobbit movie, but how directors take liberty with source material and how much is too much and, uh, you know, is any of it too much? Is that something directors should be able to do? Uh, and number three is the review. We all went and saw Jason Reitman's new movie, Labor Day, and so we're going to tell you what we thought about that. So I'm going to load up question number one, which is our first uh, segment. Oh, no. And that is remembering Philip Seymour Hoffman's greatest performances, certainly with sad news. I found out yesterday, not sure when you guys found out. I think it just kind of hit Twitter like it does and hit the web like it does. 
and uh, really shocked me. Um, obviously, he appeared healthy, and everything appeared to be going fine. He even had friends say that he had kind of kicked the habit, you know, the um, the substance abuse habit, and then, you know, it just takes one, you know, relapse, and this kind of thing happens. So any thoughts on the whole situation in general with, you know, how you found out, any of that kind of stuff before we move into kind of our favorite performances? Uh, obviously, it was as sad and crazy and blindsiding as Heath Ledger back in 08. Uh, just, just came out of nowhere. And um, I am not as familiar with his work as I'd like to be. I went and looked at his um, at his filmography and was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen him in a couple things, but I forgot he was in Twister. <laughs> you know, going back and look, looking at some old stuff, and uh, I was like, I was like, wow, he's it, it's 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 so sad. I mean, he was in his prime, and he's he he had had um, you know, I mean, a really good career, but not a super long career. He wasn't that old. And um, so yeah, I mean, like I don't, I don't really have a favorite Hoffman work because I, I'm not super familiar with him. But uh, it's super sad after uh, seeing him in Hunger Games and how he tore it up there, and that we're, we're not, we're not going to have him for the rest of the franchise and all of that. So you know. Yeah, I just when you think about the work loss too, the future work that yeah. that he could have done. I mean, he was just one of those actor actors that knew how to transform into a role very well. He could be a character actor. He could play a bad guy. He could play. You know, both sides. He was. I just really love his work, um, and so that makes me sad to think of. You know, what 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 do we miss from performances? It's obviously a very small thing compared to what the people who knew him best miss, just as having a person around. But you know, it is when we know him from his work, and so that's how we reflect on him is through his work. Danae, what do you think? Um, you know, apart from just his talents and then being able to have so many people that make an emotional connection to an individual because of their work, which is one of the great things about movies and entertainment, you know, is we get to kind of fall in love with people because we have an emotion towards them without really maybe knowing them. Um, I really enjoyed reading about how he was as a person, you know, he's a dad, uh, he was a dad and, um, that's just really tragic to me. It makes me think a lot about people who appear very healthy, um, but you know they make decisions to do drugs, or they're just maybe feeling like they can't be honest with people, and maybe people aren't being honest about um, their concerns. You know, I, he had to get it from somewhere. You know, maybe ha I mean, how does all that happen? Does someone should somebody have said something about to him about their concerns? You know, I, ha I have a friend very close. To me who has struggled with meth addiction and I try to just make sure that I'm checking in with her you know hey are you okay are you still doing this do you need me to go with you to a meeting and it feels very like like I'm imposing in some ways but when when the alternate is is death um, I just it makes me really sad to think about how, not just all the actors and people we've lost you know that we as a culture know but just people all over the country, all over the world, who um, are addicted to something that they just can't get out of. So it makes me really sad in that in that regard. It makes me want to highlight um, organizations that can help. There's a lot of websites that are available, you know, that you can go to, that you can call lines if you you or someone you know is addicted to um, any kind of a drug, the opiates that he was addicted to. Um, it just messes with your head, and it's a really difficult thing to break free from if you don't have help. So that's kind of it makes me want to highlight how do we help people who are struggling now that are still here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and take the and take the angle instead of looking down on people who you know you know come on you know you, you can't mess around with this stuff and it will get you to take the angle of 
you know, uh, we're all human and we all have things that, you know, that could take us down, so to speak. Uh, mine could be my penchant for fast food. That could take me down eventually, you know, but how do we deal with um, the people around us who are in our circle and the ability to tell them maybe what we need to tell them, you know, and to, to have a conversation that's maybe uncomfortable? Yeah, I think that's part of it too, you know, and um, so I, I, it made me very, very sad, um, just like it does whenever anybody passes away, because it certainly highlights, you know, that everybody is human. Everybody is, everybody can be affected by something. So yeah. that was probably what hit my hard hardest to me, especially that he was a dad, you know, and he has two young kids, and he seemed to be like a really down to earth person that really cared. You know, I I like those people being on earth. I like those people making a difference. I like those people, you know, influencing our world. And if if one, you know, gets taken out because of something like this, it makes me want to, you know, fight even harder. You know what I mean? It kind of, in an odd way, is sort of inspiring to like just not let stuff get me down. You know what I mean? Yeah, so let's talk, let's remember some of his great work. Um, I think that's valuable in these moments. Uh, I remember, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Cap, when Heath Ledger passed away, obviously he was just off the Batman thing and, you know, just thinking about that. But what is something, Danae, did you find something from uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman that you kind of wanted to honor and remember? Uh, not a specific movie. I think he was just a really dynamic um, actor, and I, I think one of my favorite things about him is his voice. Like, he just had a really great voice. He could pull you in with how he would craft his words, um, and I really love that about him. Cool. And, Cap, I know you mentioned that, that you didn't necessarily have one particular either. Was there something you liked about his style that you wanted to mention? Well, the versatility that you spoke about earlier, uh, it, it hit me when he was uh, when, when he was doing Hunger Games, because of course that's the most recent thing um, he's he's really been in. Um, that that uh, you know the 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 kind of his ability to play good guys and bad guys is showcased in that movie. Uh, he, he he you know you you can't tell what exactly he's doing until you get to the end of it, and um, so you know you know obviously he was a super versatile actor. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I will highlight two specific movies that I would highly encourage people to see if they haven't seen that I think highlight some of his best work. Uh, one is uh, Mission Impossible 3. I think he's incredible as the villain in Mission Impossible 3, uh, which is J.J. Uh, Abrams' uh, Mission Impossible. Um, maybe possibly the best Mission Impossible, although I really have a soft spot for the first one as well. Uh, so I would highly recommend you check that out if you haven't seen it. And the other is one that I don't know that a lot of people have seen called Doubt. And this is one of those movies that has stayed with me since I saw it. It is in my top 41 movies of all time list uh, that I update every every year. Uh, Meryl Streep is in it as well with an amazing performance. Um, and I'm trying to remember who the third... Maybe Amy Adams was in that as well. I can't remember who the third was um, specifically. But anyways, incredible film. And what's amazing about this movie are not just these amazing performances, but it's this movie about faith and about doubt, and about how each of us deal with that in our own ways, and it takes place uh, in the Catholic Church through some um, pretty tough circumstances, and has some really interesting twists and turns to the plot that really bring home uh, this incredible message. So uh, it, it's it's one of those movies that will stay with you, and one I would highly recommend. Uh, so doubt would be another one I would say you might want to check out. Anything else you want to say about Philip Seymour Hoffman before we move on? Well, I just wanted to mention that uh, I was really surprised 
uh, to to learn just how highly regarded he was uh, after <clears throat> um, uh, after we found out that he had passed away because <clears throat> you don't always get this uh, when when somebody really famous dies. I mean, like like you know you know obviously there's there's always some kind of reverence, but I mean here it was I, I was everywhere I read it was exactly what you were talking about, Aaron. Everybody was saying uh, this. Like, 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 it's it's really sad. The future we won't have now from from this actor. Like, the world is not as good of a place without this guy in it. Uh, I heard that over and over and over again, and that's really unusual. I had no idea how highly regarded he was. Um, and you know, you know, I have a tendency to look at actors' work before looking at them personally. I don't keep up with who's marrying who and who's getting divorced and who's having babies and all that stuff. And so, like, yeah, I didn't know he's a family man. I didn't know how down to how down to earth it seemed to be. And um, that just that really hit me uh, and made me want to watch more of his stuff when, when people started saying uh, what, it, it's not going to be as, as, as cool of a planet without this guy in it. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a very valid point. I, I, I think of actors, uh, you know, like who have aged and continue to, you know, do great stuff like uh, Robert Redford just had a movie come out this year called All Is Lost that, you know, and he's, what, in his 70s now? I just think of these incredible actors and how the roles they would, you know, take as they kind of aged and went through that process. I just, you know, it's just a future we won't see, and that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, like, what, what would what would the world have been like without Morgan Freeman in his 60s? Right, yeah. Without Michael Caine in his 70s, you know, you know stuff like that. Um, you know, these are these are actors who uh, they they've done some of their best work outside of their air quotes prime. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we will move on to uh, segment two, and I will mention as we move on to the next segment. As always, if you want to do questions and answers, uh, you can hit the event page and ask us a question. It will show up for us, and uh, we might be able to answer that for you. Segment two today finally saw the Hobbit: Desolation of Smaug. Let's I chat did. about. Yeah, you did. Let's talk about if we liked it and how we feel about directors taking license with source material. Just found out, Cap, you haven't seen it yet. So. I still haven't gotten around to it, I know. I'm catching up on movies, and that was right around Christmas, and I just wasn't seeing things for a couple weeks, so I haven't gotten to it yet. So, um, but still, a topic that we all can probably speak on. But first, Oh, I yeah, I do videos on this about this all the time. So, Danae, I will ask you first, since you just saw it. First, what did you think of the movie? Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Okay. Um hey, do you like movies? No. Oh okay. Um, yeah, that's what not, I got a reviewer on the show who doesn't like film. I think it's just important to put that out there. It's I it's something that's growing on me as I am kind of um obviously I'm really going outside of my comfort zone to make sure that I'm you know trying to get a critical eye and it takes me a minute to sink sure. into something and then when I get, when I do sink into a movie you know I like it but this one this one for me is you know it's so dear to my heart because I love the hobbit I love the lord of the rings um it was one of the first you know books that I really just was like this is incredible literature and um so I have a lot of heart in it and also I feel like that is what is holding me back from this movie um after I look back on it uh specifically the desolation of smog I realized I was having a good time at parts of it but the thing that I really was um surprised by is how much of it I was like making this face I don't wait what? Uh, uh, 
no. Like that. And so at the end of the movie, I look over at my mom, and we're both, like, perplexed. Like, what did we just see? I'm familiar with those people. I'm familiar with those names. I'm familiar with part of this plot line. But the rest of it was just a totally different, totally different experience, a different storyline uh, and all that. So I had to, it took me a while, days, to just sort of unwrap myself from it and go, can I go back in there and enjoy that movie now that I have a better understanding of what is being done to this particular uh, storyline, specifically The Hobbit. Um, so th it just forced me to wonder, you know, why not make this movie into just one really good Hobbit. Like, why not stick to the original story? Is there something that was so wrong? Is this about making money? Is this about making three movies because it worked the first time? You know, so so I have to ask myself those questions and ultimately go, do I still enjoy it? Am I so glad I'm watching it? Yeah, I'm so glad I'm watching it. I, I still like to see the characters. I still love to immerse myself in the, the world of Tolkien, but ultimately I wish that um, I wish that Peter would have made a different decision and just gone with one really well-made close to the story Hobbit. I yeah, the, my review pretty much said the same thing. Like I was in awe at certain points of this movie. The barrel scene, I still go back to and I just want to watch it again in slow motion. I mean, it's just incredible what happens during that whatever 10 minutes of film. Uh, and I think that's because Peter Jackson is a talented action director. He understands momentum, he understands framing, he understands all of those things. He understands humor. He's a but funny he guy. He doesn't understand that hobbits and dwarves are not supposed to love, they're not supposed to be interested in each other like that. <laughs> so he, he's missing He's missing some of... Right, right. But see, here's what happens is, and you ask why. <sighs> why take this you know, this book that could have been one movie and make it into three movies. I think money surely plays a role in it. I think it has to. Uh, but I think he fell in love with the filmmaking process the first time, too, of this world. I think he didn't want to leave this world. I think he wanted to spend as much time in this universe as he possibly could because he loves it so much. And the, the interesting thing is maybe he loves it too much because then he wanted to play in that sandbox. Then he wanted to start creating new parts of this world and adding new stories and you know, new things. So he went from an interpreter to a creator. And that's what we want to talk about as we kind of get into this in movies. Where is a director's responsibility to the source material? Are, they, a, are they allowed to become part of the creation process in that? Or do you, they have to honor the whole thing? If you add in, in the credits, Peter Jackson's Hobbit would have helped me a lot. You know, but I'm not watching that going, okay, I didn't go in understanding just how much liberty. The first movie kind of stays along with the plot line enough for me to go, okay, yeah, this is going to this is gonna track. I'm confused why we need to have so much time on film for three movies. But this is really the first time that he's deviating enough for me to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm visiting a place of literature anger. What is that? You know, it's, you know, it's, I, I, and not everybody has read The Hobbit. Not everybody ha is so passionate about it. So there is a place for his version. And I think that's what, if he just put his name before it and kind of said, you know, Peter Jackson's version of The Hobbit, maybe, maybe I would have like gone in going, okay, okay, I'm, this is just going to be a different interpretation. So. Is that what we're supposed to do, though, as a viewer? Is go into every movie knowing this is the director's interpretation of the source material? Is that is that our responsibility, Cap? I haven't heard from you in a while. What are some of your thoughts on this? Well, as much as uh, as I find myself <clears throat> saying a lot, 
boy, I wish I could go into every movie without knowing anything. Uh, this is one of those things where I think you kind of need to be armed with that information ahead of time, regardless of, of, of what's in the title. Um, you know, looking at news and stuff as The Hobbit was being developed and as it was in limbo for a while. Originally, this was supposed to, I mean, I mean, the the, uh, the first one was supposed to come out like two, three years before it did. It was going to be two movies instead of three. Um, all of that stuff. And uh, when, when they when they pop, when they made it into three movies and they started talking about all the things they were going to add and they started talking about how there's all of these uh, extra notes and things that Tolkien had that ne- were never even made into books and things that, uh, you know, Peter Jackson really wanted to adapt and put somewhere uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think a lot of us knew if we were looking at all that really early that this was going to be uh, not just a different interpretation but just a padded one. This is going to be a lot more in this thing. And uh, yeah, I, I'm with I'm with Aaron. It is it is about money and it is about uh, Peter Jackson's um, you know you know love for this material. But I think he also just feels like here's some really interesting stuff. And I haven't seen them yet, but I mean it, just for, from interviews and things, here's some really interesting stuff that I think ought to go on film. I don't know where else I'm ever going to put it. Um, I think sometimes regarding the responsibility that directors have to source material and things like that. Um, it's it's really tough just depending on who you are going into the into the movie right because um you you've got you know we're talking a lot about the people who know nothing the people who know everything and love it what about those of us in the middle who have read it but aren't all that infatuated with it I uh, I I've read The Hobbit and was not as in, as enamored with it as a lot of other people were and could see improvements potentially being made you see what I'm saying and so uh, for somebody like that um it it, it made perfect sense to me to maybe not adapt it exactly the same, that Danae, I'm with you, three movies is crazy. It, it, it feels that way. It really I, feels that way. There's uh, some, yeah. it was, well, remember, this was originally envisioned as a children's story. It wasn't right. three, you know, it wasn't this giant, crazy epic thing. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of padding, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance <clears throat> and all of that, but um, at the end of the day, I think that, um, and I always say this, I think that a good movie is, is, is a good movie and uh, it, it's already somebody else's interpretation. I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Uh, I think even if you stay as close to the source material as humanly possible, you have taken something that was envisioned, that was that that was originally <clears throat> created to be prose, and you have put it on screen automatically. There is quite a bit of interpretation that has been made, and so if you do it well. And if a person can walk into it and doesn't need to have read the source material, and it's a good movie, Danae, you might, even if it's like really, really different, even if it's like totally off the beaten path, and you're like, this isn't even the same story, um, I think it's important to be able to separate out this is effective versus, but I'd like to see a version done more straight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I feel like, so, so, and I, I actually agree with you on a lot of what you're saying, um, but I feel like one of the things that Peter Jackson has done is he's almost complicated it too much. Like, there's a certain part, you know, when the dwarves are coming home. They have just entered into their mountain for the first time. And there is a huge piece of heart that is missing completely from that moment because there's so much else that's cutting in and out. And there's all these overlying stories that I don't know that need to be there, you know, specifically this whole orc thing, you know. But I understand, you know, adding in some some tension when you don't have tension and maybe there needs to be a rise and a fall for a film that I don't connect to yet. Um 
I maybe would have gotten bored and I didn't know it or maybe so it just feels like there's some things that are kind of forced and there's some things that um, and, and one of those things is the addition of some characters and also just not staying true to some of how the characters are you know the orcs at one point in time are very elf like they're running on rooftops it's like elves don't run on rooftops they're like these gigantic things that just, you know, make a lot of noise and they make a presence. They're not like sneaky, sneaky. So, really? so I thought I thought orcs and elves were from the same, um, like bloodline almost. Like orcs were a type of elf that had been um, created, degraded. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, there's some Tolkien lore I'll have to look up. I'm not a Tolkien expert by any means. So well, neither I, am I. Neither am I. So, I just made all that up. No, I'm but, just kidding. I did hear that somewhere, but... No, no, you're right, but I mean, in the previous films, it's like, they're, I don't know, I just don't see them as, like, running on rooftops and sneaking around. Right. You know, like, there's this, there's this one particular part where they're very quiet and, and in a town where, you know, they should be, like, very obvious, and they're sure. not. So, so there's just some things like that that really sort of, like, I, that really takes me out of that moment and well, and that's the thing is I want to sink into a moment because I'm really loving the story I really Danae, love Tolkien Danae, I want to ask you a question do you okay. think that do you think that the um, that the more effective way to have handled this because this is what I think do you think the more effective way to have handled this um, and obviously this is in retrospect and who knows if it would have had this if it would have been as popular and have the same pop and 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 uh, had the same success? But do you think that they should have started with the Hobbit and not gone prequel? Because I think that's where a lot of that difficulty tends to lie. Making prequels is freaking hard. Yeah, maybe. And I, I mean, work already knowing what happens and already having seen all that stuff and make because I feel like there's a lot of trying to make it feel as epic as what we had before, except we know yeah. what happened. That's, That's the difficulty really I have always with prequels, and so I'm not sure if the, if the issue here, and I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing from you today is almost less an adaptation issue and more of a prequel issue. Maybe. Um, I, I don't know. I think it might be an adaptation for me because The Hobbit is doesn't it is not as epic in that way because yeah, Lord of sure. the Rings is about, you know, war after war after war, where this is more about um, kind of just the story of these the, uh, a homecoming. It's supposed to be the story of a homecoming, of a race that is, you know, trying to go home and how the ring does play into it. And they... Peter Jackson does do something really fantastic in this film in how he he brings Sarun into this uh, film. Not quite so present in the book this way. So he is still alluding to this intense evil that we've already seen, we've already met, we've already defeated. And he's, he's playing that that is still present, maybe not as built and not as strong as we see it in the films that are, you know, that are to come. Um, and then also downplaying but upplaying Smaug because... It's not like the dragon can be bigger than Sarun because he is the ultimate evil. So I actually think they're doing a pretty good job of doing the prequel thing, um, but maybe they are trying to make it a little bit more epic because of Lord of the Rings. Which, that's the whole point I'm making is that yeah. I think that you would have gotten something closer to the source material had it not been a prequel to an epic. I'm, but I'm still glad that they did Lord of the Rings first. I really, really am. Because, yeah, I really am. Um, I don't know that they would have had as much um, backing for The Hobbit, if no, they would have done The not. Hobbit first, you know? Sure. I mean, it would have been amazing, but I don't think people would have been as invested in it. Also... Well, you're right. Practicality-wise, you're, you're absolutely right about yeah. that. Yeah. Like, well, also, they, they, didn't, the future. Yeah, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't have the rights to The Hobbit. That was no. a recent development. They only I had the rights to Lord of the Rings. Of that. Okay. 
So well, they couldn't have done The Hobbit if they wanted to. Um, the only reason they got the rights to The Hobbit is because of how successful Lord of the Rings was. Mm -hmm. uh, they were able to work out a pretty substantial deal. That's interesting. Um, okay, so here's a transition question in the same topic, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but let's talk about true stories. True stories. Uh, when Hollywood makes a movie based on a true story, there is a varying degree of how much it sticks to the facts. Recent example is American Hustle. Uh, has taken a lot of flack for how different it is than what really happened in that situation. Um, directors have always taken license with true stories to create a better story. Is that a similar thing to looking at source materials like books and comic books and you know things like that? Or is that something totally different and do we feel the same or different about that? I definitely have a quick opinion about this. Um, I think for me, I really love to look at the why. You know, why a decision was made. I kind of want to dig into that. Lord of the Rings, I have watched all of the extended, all of the, you know, behind the scenes stuff many times because I love seeing the care that they put into the creation of a story. I feel like what's missing from the based on a true story films is that part where we get to understand the heart. So, for example, there's a movie out right now, The Lone Survivor. Um, there's a lot of information out about the care that the director and all the crew took in making that true to the story as best they possibly could. So we're kind of like together. Yeah, they can't get it 100%, but we're together that they did their best. Um, but then there's other ones where, you know, there's really not any extras or not any other information, like maybe why the director went this way or why the writers went that way. And that's the stuff that I like to know about. So when I finish a film and then I go look it up, kind of curiosity, I want to see what happened to the characters, what happened to this, and then I'm realizing that like this huge chunk of it's false. And this is, this and, one is of the, and one of the characters you love doesn't, doesn't exist? Doesn't even they exist. just made it up? Exactly. And I'm like, oh, you know, then I get upset and then I, <laughs> then I have to let it go and be like, no, no, it's okay. You know, so I, I just, maybe if they would release a little bit more about maybe the why or the how, I personally, and maybe others like me, would maybe be a little bit more on board. I don't know. I think for me, for me, I have a lot of leniency with directors. And I didn't talk uh, too much about this in the, um, when we were talking about the Hobbit thing, but I'll go ahead and talk about it now. I think when a director makes a movie, it's their movie. And I think the source material is an inspiration point for them, as are many other things in their life. But it, if, it is, if it is not a documentary, documentary to me has a different kind of set of standards and, and rules. But if it is not a documentary, I give them complete freedom to do whatever they want with that story, and I judge it on what is seen on the screen. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like to know and go back and find out and you know check out Wikipedia, but I'm really pretty lenient when it comes to this kind of stuff. American Hustle is a great movie, not because... It, it's, I'm saying if American Hustle is a great movie, uh, it is not because it sticks so closely to a true story, it's because a, a great story was told on the screen based on something that happened in real life. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, I think so, and I think yeah, it's... I agree with you completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's how I feel about it. Uh, the other big example that a lot of people use is Argo. Uh, that last scene in Argo, which is one of the greatest scenes in, in cinema, I love that final stretch of Argo. Incredible. Never happened. But it's an amazing, amazing scene, you know? And yeah. so you just kind of look at it, and I think there will always be 
a spectrum of reactions to that kind of stuff. Danae, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I am perplexed by your reaction to this because you, because because you, you are reacting negatively to awesome things put in movies that didn't happen in real life, and <laughs> I am suggesting to you that if they were that that if movie makers make something that is based on something that actually happened and they were to have uh, put it on screen exactly the way it is, very often, there's no movie there. Uh, I think the problem here is in advertising, almost exclusively. Yes. I think the issue here is mostly in, if you never knew that something was based on a true story, you would not complain about it. Because you, you ignorance is bliss on this. Um, I think it's the sort of thing where it's better to know that or, or even if you do know it ahead of time, to to make it about storytelling and, I mean, as a viewer, make it about storytelling, make it about, because, I mean, that, the, the thing is, for me, that's what I'm all about. Um, for, for me, based on a true story is about making a great fiction, starting with something that actually happened. Fiction is embellishing on the truth. What is important is not that you are told the truth, because as Aaron said, it's not a documentary. What is important is that it is authentic within the world that you're given. Suspend of disbelief is exactly the same in a biopic as it is in something that is completely made up from the ground up. What's important to note is that most things are not built up from the ground up. Most things are do have elements of reality. Writers grab stuff from their lives. They grab stuff from uh, from from other people's lives, from news articles. They read all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You are only annoyed that it didn't all really happen because you've been told that it is real. I think you're absolutely right, and I don't know that I'm like the norm. I'm probably not the norm. I don't like. A lot of people feel that way. I think. I don't like getting messed with. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think you are being messed with, except by advertising, except by people saying this is being messed with. People, people are like creating these characters that I think are maybe real, and then I'm like, I'm like, this emotion is like attaching to them, and then I'm like, oh, this emotion is based on a thing, and maybe this is why entertainment for me is difficult because it's all false emotion anyway you know it's just I'm I'm like I'm being forced to like get excited or you know get upset about something that may or may not have actually happened and I get confused about that and I get distracted by that and I don't think that that's the norm for everybody I, I don't I don't know that that's I think I might be a little bit weird in that regard I think I think you put your finger on something very important for people who fall closer to your side of the spectrum which yeah. is the emotional attachment if you come away from something being emotionally attached and saying, oh, I felt something because this was real, and then you find out it's not, you feel like your emotion was real. I've been betrayed! But here's the thing. But here's the thing. What you have to remember is just because a story is told, even if it's a completely fictional story, the emotion is real because it's based on true principles, not mm-hmm. true actions. Yeah. Right. And that's something that I'm learning as I'm getting into this whole world of entertainment, you know, I, I am learning a little bit about that and how to enjoy it and put it kind of like my, uh, my jarred, my jarred sense and on the back burner. And, and for that, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. But for this discussion and for like where I'm at on 2-3-2014, I am still having a hard time with, you know, again, I want to go in sort of having an idea of what they were thinking going in. I want to, I, I want to have a little bit of a foundation maybe, but that might change. Who knows? All right. Well, let's yeah. go. Go ahead, Cap. If you've got, if you've got sorry, something. I got a couple more things I got to throw in real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Do go it, ahead. Do it. 
I'm sorry, Danae, this this is the power of fiction. Um, we, we, if if I. Uh, if a director or a writer can make you care about something that's not real, they've done their job. Fiction yeah. writing is all about making it believable. It's about it's about truth, but it's about broader truth and also intimate, personal truth. The other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, just to tackle on, because I wanted to say this earlier, um, Aaron, I am completely baffled about people being angry at all about the over-sensationalism of American Hustle. That is ridiculous. And the reason it is ridiculous is because they come up front right at the beginning of that movie and they tell you what it is. Uh, what, what's, what's so cool about the beginning of American Hustle is that it is a movie about people that don't put things up front and don't tell you what they are at the beginning, but the movie does it for you. The movie says it puts up that great title card. My audience was roaring before a person walks onto the on the screen at that everybody thought it was hilarious that it that it says some of these things might have happened and they have already told you that they're not making a straight up biopic it's 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 based on a true story in the most definite sense of, of that term why is this bothering anyone that's ridiculous i like I, that much better than i like the based on a true story i loved that yeah and i and, and that's what i say adapt adapt that for every you know true story and Please. And, yeah, it should be like right. based on a true story. Dot dot dot. Maybe a little bit of it. Dot dot dot. Okay, not really much. Oh, dot dot dot. Okay, it was just this person's name. And then, <laughs> please God, don't at the end of the movie give us that title screen of here is where all of these people are now. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> on the movie are fictional characters based on the real ones. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. That's that's a very valid point. Um, I appreciate that. Or well. or put up a picture of like Amy and and then just like point to the hair and be like her hair was actually blonde and then like her body type was actually <laughs> no. square and then point to like all these things. She had a mole here, you know. <laughs> Danae wants Danae wants a ten hour movie with annotations. No, no, I want extras. I want extras. I don't want to be want, part of the film. I want extras. She wants I every love, movie to be a documentary. That's what I she I love the extra stuff. Yeah. All right. I hear you. All right. We're going to move on to our review. Um, I also want to let you know we are seeing your questions pop up. We will address those uh, after our review. We'll pick a few of those yeah, uh, to answer before we finish out. So thank you for submitting those. We do appreciate that. You can submit them live uh, at the, through the questions app um, at the event page on G Plus or YouTube, as well as submit them beforehand, like we mentioned earlier in the show, if you want to sit the, uh, submit them leading up to the show. All right, so let's move on to review of a movie called Labor Day. Uh, this is Jason Reitman, who you may know from films such as Up in the Air. Um, he did Juno, Thank You for Smoking, uh, which is possibly my favorite Jason Reitman film. Um, so he's a well-known director. Uh, he does great work. He usually gets you know, Oscar consideration, not so much for this one, so my question is, uh, is it is it good? Did people miss the boat on this, or is it just different and so people didn't like it? What do you guys, what did you guys think of Labor Day? Um, well, I mean, I'll go first if you want. I sort of wrote down some of my thoughts because I cannot hold them in my brain during the movie, so I'm the one with a little scratch pad. I also realized I should never bring a clicky pen into a movie theater. <laughs> it was not nice. There are people that are trying to watch the movie, Danae. Just click it once and be done with it. Yeah, and hey, Danae, also, how about not the big mag light, too? That really bothers me. Oh, right. Oh, I knew I forgot that. something. You <laughs> that, yeah. I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. Um, you know, this movie is about, like, forced relationships for me. 
And so I kind of found that it was awkward at sometimes, but I wondered if I was supposed to feel awkward. Uh, and I would definitely recommend this movie to a lot of people. There's not a lot of gore. In fact, there's no real gore. There's just like a little, you know, allusions to, you know, blood on the abdomen, which it was not gory at all. There's no language in this movie. Um, there's no nudity in this movie. So I think for a lot of people that might feel uncomfortable going into particular kinds of films, there's a lot of genres that are really avoided in this. And so I feel like it's actually something that's like an open door for a lot of people. Um, there is a woman, a young boy, and a man in this film for the most part. The woman. Yeah, let me is... let me interrupt you just real quick. Just give a brief synopsis yeah. so people kind of know kind of what it's about. Basically, this is a movie uh, about a woman and her son who are forced to interact with an escaped convict, and what happens is their lives kind of merge. And so that's you know that's where the movie follows and kind of follows that story. Okay, yeah. go ahead and continue. Well, you know, in the mother figure, um, Kate Winslet is mm -hmm. I really love her. I've I I think I've loved her in everything that I can remember seeing her in. I I feel like she's a very relatable person. Um so I really enjoyed that. And and she has her own sort of uh internal demons, the things that she's sort of working through in this film. Um it's sort of narrated from the son's perspective, so I loved that too. I think it it really showed how a son might think about the relationship with his um, mom and things that she goes through as a single parent and kind of his care for her, which I thought was really beautiful. So it's kind of almost to his coming of age story, transitioning from, you know, trying to be everything for his mom to experimenting what it means to like be able to let go as she develops this relationship with this convict who has forcibly shown up and put himself into their life, you know, um, and he's trying to, you know, s escape and survive, and he kind of ends up wanting to stay, and she's forced to interact with him, um, and, and he might be really dangerous for her, but also maybe healing for her. So you're sort of just watching these very deep things develop, which made me love it, because I love getting into people's psyches, and, and so this, this movie was really fun for me. All right, so you really enjoyed it. Cap, what did I you did. think? Uh, I don't want to go second. Okay, I'll go second. I don't want to go um, second. No. <laughs> I had I had quite a few mixed feelings on this. I think overall I enjoyed it all right. Uh, it is definitely a departure for Reitman. It does not feel like his other movies at all. And I think that's actually to its detriment a little bit, although I don't know how he does it differently when he's telling this story. Uh, I really liked the way that he used uh, backstory in this, and I like that he tell, told their backstories, the backstory of the escaped convict and the backstory of the mother. Mm -hmm. I love that he told their stories differently. He used different um, processes of telling that backstory for each of them. One was one huge kind of information dump at exactly the right time when we needed to hear it, when we needed to know it, and the other was through flashes throughout the movie. And I think it worked really good for those characters, and I think that shows a good sense of knowing your characters and knowing how we want to learn about them. Um, so I did appreciate that. I do think the movie got bogged down in its own process a little bit and felt slow at times. Um, and they're just, I, and this is a personal thing, and I know there are others like me, but not everybody is like this. I, I need some levity every once in a while. And they're just, there were little bits of humor, but for Jason Reitman, I just felt like, you know, there could have been a way to, to work in something here or there to lighten the mood um, and to have some fun with these characters. How do you uh, lighten the mood when there's a convict in your house? Just I don't know. I'm not the director. I'm just the guy telling <laughs> the director what he did wrong. I'm just That's teasing. All. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> um, so, you know, so for that for me it did feel like it, it got a little bogged down in that. But overall, I think I enjoyed it. Um, 
but not not anywhere close to a, a perfect uh, movie. Although I haven't, I didn't necessarily love Up in the Air either. So I'm not necessarily a Reitman apologist either. All right, Captain, it's your turn. You gotta go now. Well, unapologetically, I saw a different movie than you guys. Uh, this didn't work for me at all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you just tear it apart. Tear it apart. Go. Um. There is a really weak screenplay at work here, and I think that it's built entirely on a faulty premise. Uh, it, it, uh, besides, and, and besides some literary cliches, which I'll get into in a minute, I think part of, part of the problem is just I'm such a literary guy, and this thing pulled out like like every magic trick, man. Um, the, 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 big, the big thing that, uh, that bugged me from the beginning and then continued throughout was... I didn't buy the way these this convict got with these people. Uh, you're in the middle of a public place in the middle of the day of the day, and I mean, let's just get real here. This doesn't happen. This guy this guy comes up to these to these two people in the middle of a grocery store, and he's like, "You need to take me back to your house." And there's people everywhere. How is she not screaming for help? No! Do you feel, though, and I don't... No. I, interrupt me if you want to just keep rolling. But no, don't you play. feel... First of all, was this wasn't like a modern thing. So there's not people getting tweets about, you know, convict escape. This so, is like, what was it, the 80s or something? It is. It's I don't know. He's threatening them. It like, was a different time. Well, but let's... He, he... It's 87. It ain't that long ago, man. He, like, he saw that she was just somebody who could be easily preyed upon. I mean, she her, her demeanor and everything, like, you could just read it. She just wasn't comfortable. I think he knew how to play on her. That's my thought. Okay, I have a couple of things with that. The first thing, and I'm not and I'm not going to tear this, this movie apart scene for scene because, you know, people haven't seen it, but um, it, it, here's the thing. There is a lot of stuff in this movie where I get what they want me to think is going on, and I'm just right. not believing it. Um, and that's one of them. Uh, because he starts with the with, with the kid. He doesn't start with the mother. Um, he's, he, saw, he saw her across the way. You're right. And maybe he's got some intuition and he read into something there. Sure. But... Um, she is she is a somewhat unstable personality. I think it would have been just as likely or more likely for her to have kind of freaked, man. Like I don't I don't know. I was. I'm going to interject here just quickly. Like um, terrified to go outside of her own house. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm going to interject here just quickly because I actually didn't have as much problem as the way they met, as how quickly there was an acceptance. That yeah. that did bug me. I I had down in my I had out of control after that for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well I had down in my uh my notes I think I said uh, fast decision much. Like yeah. this is supposed to happen over the course of four days and I don't want to give away again everything that's gonna happen. But yeah. It's a really quick turnaround from there's an escaped convict who I don't know in my house to let's make this the father figure for my child. But I think that's part of like the brokenness and instability of her mind, which is another interesting thing to see played out, is that people who have uh, just digressed into this mental place, you know, they're desperate and oftentimes for someone to come in and sort of define certain boundaries for them, and she was open. I, that's that was my interpretation of it. So I, I kind of I kind of bought that, maybe because I've met people sort of like that before. I mean, those people do exist. I can relate to making some really poor relationship choices really quickly. <laughs> I feel like I. Uh, I'm not talking about my husband. Sorry. I, I f I feel, Danae, like, uh, like they could have made me buy that. I get that there are people like that who exist. I didn't right. get a good enough sense of what kind of 
um, of, of, of what kind of psychosis or whatever, maybe that's too extreme of a word, but you, 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 know, you know, what exact psychology we were dealing with with this person. Right. Uh, that's, she didn't I leave her house for years and years and years, and suddenly a convict shows up, and in four days, she's, she's, uh, she's completely willing and able to give herself over to another person. I'm just not buying that uh, with what we were given. I also thought that, that there were a lot of extremes here. I thought that there was a lot of land stuff on thick, to try to be uber super serious, that just like like ultimately what her backstory was, I th I thought was was going way too far. I thought they laid it on way too darn thick when they finally revealed it to us. Uh, there's a, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of that. The other thing, uh, the other big thing for me was, was like I said, the literary cliches. Uh, we've got the uh, we we've got the super genius kid. Uh, that that girl and that drove me nuts because she that, drove me that, crazy. That too. is a huge literary cliche. Yeah. Uh, I, again, you could make me buy it. I don't think the movie is the movie is quite doing that. Um, Aaron, you like the I. I you, you guys both said you liked uh, you liked the voiceover. I, I I couldn't deal with the voiceover. I didn't. I, oh, I did not say that. I actually oh, you didn't. Did. You did. I yeah, did. you did. Sorry. Yeah, you did. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not enjoy the voiceover. Okay, okay I'm sorry. Didn't In fact, it's one of my main issues with the movie is okay. not just the voiceover, but the use of these actors to do so little. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons is in there for five seconds to deliver peaches. I just, I, I did not get that at all in this movie. We, we, uh, we didn't need. Well, and I kind of wondered if it was just Tobey Maguire likes J.K. Simmons, so he got him to come in for a minute or something. That, that was the best I could figure. Um, so. Let me for a minute talk about comic book stuff because this is hilarious and it kind of and then and then and then I'll, I'll briefly go back to, to literary cliches. Um, that this is one of the things that kind of took me out a little bit and this isn't a criticism so much as hilarious. How incredibly like fitting is it that we've got Tobey Maguire narrating when one of the biggest complaints about the Spider-Man films was, dear God, Peter Parker, quit. Freaking narrating, and then this kid in this movie is gonna grow up and become Tobey Maguire. Hilarious. Uh, and then, and then, okay, so we've got, um, so we've got in the same movie that's doing, that's using all these comic book alum actors. Uh, we've we've got a kid looking at comic books on a rack. That's not a coincidence. Uh, uh, so somebody is in love with com with comic books and superhero movies in this thing. Uh, and then we've got, um, and I'm not even complaining about that, especially because I recognized a lot of those covers, and I was like, yep, that really was from that year. Good job. Way to pick something actually from that year. Uh, <laughs> the, the other thing, uh, another thing uh, that I that I thought was really fun and I doubt anybody else picked up on this, was uh, the guy who plays Agent Coulson is in this. Once again, completely wasted. And the and the dad uh, that, that, that he plays in this, I thought he was totally thrown under the bus, Aaron. I thought he was a really two-dimensional character. I, they, they, it didn't work for me. But Well, there's one there's one turn towards the end where they try to, to offset that a little bit that actually worked for me a little bit emotionally. But you're right for most of his performance. But there is a performance when he towards the very end of the film when the kid's a little bit older... Yeah. That resonated with me a little bit. All right, fair enough. Um, I think at that point the movie lost me so hard. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm sorry. I'm just making no bones about this. Right, I did not like this movie. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, uh, so so the guy who plays Coulson is in this, and in the first scene he's in, there's a mention of a cello, and he and in in Avengers and in the Iron Man movies he dated a cellist. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wonder who did that on purpose, and you caught it. Like, I wonder I, about those things. I looked over, and Brandon died when I looked over and said, <laughs> oh, my God, it's a cello. And he was like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> it, 
Anyway, uh, but yeah, so so like I said, r real quick, because uh, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. Let me throw this out real quick. So you've got, um, so so you got like I said, the super genius kid. You've got the you've got the voiceover. Um, you you've got the the the, the unnecessary narrating. Um, I I didn't like the framework of this thing at all. I uh, because like like I couldn't decide. I felt like there were there were two kinds of stories really at odds with each other. They could have been married, but it, but in my opinion, they weren't. You have the the traditional stranger story, where somebody shows up that nobody that, that nobody's met before and changes their whole their whole universe. And then you have the coming of age story, and I don't think it can decide which of those exactly it is. Uh, part of the problem with the narration is this is supposed to be this kid's story, but we keep flashing back to uh, the adults in this thing, and and um, it's it's uh. There's two there's two movies being made here, and they're they're not they're not meshing. I think I can help with that a little. Maybe not help with it, but I think I, I at least put my finger on something with that. If maybe I made it up myself, I don't know if it was intentional, but I really felt like the coming of age thing was a wealth a way to tell this story that allowed us to be in the perspective of this could actually happen because he is so confused in his coming to adolescence that he doesn't know what's right and what's right. Like, is this supposed to be my dad? Is it not supposed to be my dad? There's a lot of confusion in this, and I think that confusion is added so that that we get a sense of both tension and a sense of, well, could this really happen? Maybe it couldn't happen. So, we're, you know, to see it through his eyes, I think, is supposed to do that. I also think... That's the problem. That the, it's not all through his eyes, and it should be. That's my right. point. No, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, because I'm not getting it solely from him like that. I needed to live this whole movie from him because because of because of the way it was initially conceived. Yeah, I, yeah, and I and I just wanted to add. I heard, uh, you know, I heard of that. I heard that same theme in the way the music was used in this movie too, um, that I thought was was done very subtly. Which was there was there was this discord in the music and a repetitive rhythm to it that I think really kind of added to these moments where he's kind of confused about. Uh, you know what something is and and what it means for his life that um, that I noted as well. But I I actually resonate with a lot of what you say, Cap. I think at the end of the day, um, the acting was good enough for me, and I didn't get distracted enough that I just let the movie go. And so there were these moments, these emotional moments that resonated with me. I have to tell you, I completely disagree with you on her uh, reveal of her backstory. It worked perfectly for me. It was my highlight of the movie emotionally was being with her on what happened to her. And I don't know if that's because I've been close to that situation before, not personally in my own house, but with people I know very, very well. Um, I don't want to give a lot away, but it just it really resonated as, as true for me and the way that it affected their marriage at that time. Just all that stuff really, really worked for me. Um, so, but again, that could just be a difference in you know the eyes that we were that we were watching through. Yeah, and that's that's clearly a lot of it. Uh, once again, when I say that the movie lost me by that point, a lot of what I'm, what I'm saying is, um, so early on, I just felt like the so much of it felt manufactured to me. I I, I really felt like these people weren't very often acting like like real people. Uh, the, yeah. the, you know, and so by the time you got, we got to that, I, I couldn't emotionally resonate because I didn't feel like I was looking at real people. There was no suspension of disbelief for me in this movie. Uh, that that was the whole thing. So yeah, everything you're saying, I get what they're trying to do. Worked for you, didn't work for me. Yes, yeah. Uh, Danae, you haven't said anything in a while. I didn't know if you had any points you wanted to throw in. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I would really maybe possibly add at this point is it is a slower paced film and you get that from the very very beginning of this movie if you do go see this movie um, and again I think I would recommend it it is slow and it does deal with 
deeper emotional things, and maybe that is difficult to connect with, not saying that you're not emotionally complex, Captain, but like just that part that, um, like, I oh, really love this movie. I still think it was effective. That's all I'm saying. I must be silly. I really liked it. Um, but anyhow, the the very b- opening of this movie is just, you know, like almost like a car ride. You're seeing um, trees sort of just pass through, and there is one tone in the music. It stays one tone. So from the very beginning, I was like, this is going to be like a long pause movie. There's like just going to be these parts that are just going to be paused for you. And that that really said it, and so it, that did slow the pace down for me. And and you know, to me, the only thing that really broke up the film, as far as it being really intense, was one I had seen the previews, and so I knew kind of what to expect. There there is a moment when, you know, this convict is coming back to the house, and if had I not seen the previews, I would wonder if things were going to be okay. <laughs> and I'm glad I saw the previews because I was getting like a little bit anxious. Like I was like, why would you let that person in your vehicle? Like why wouldn't you just turn around and kick him in the knee? You know, obviously he's wounded. Punch him in the gut. He'll drop like a rock. But then I'm like, no, she must be really emotionally wounded to like be so inside of herself to not be able to verbalize even a no. You know, she does say no, but she's easily swayed. So I think she had an opportunity to sort of be swayed. So um, I just got a note that someone's saying, I don't see you guys on the Hangouts. So if somebody can still see us, maybe ping us, let us know that we're still on air. Um, but anyway, so the des- it did have a slower pace to it. I thought that the changes to the pace were really whenever this convict sort of switches into trying to manage the situation and control the situation to enjoying the freedom, which he did through food. Um, and I do feel like parts of those paces weren't really developed very well. There were things that didn't work out for me. And the, the th- number one thing that did not work for me is watching how they transition this young boy into a you know an adolescent into a full-grown man and yeah. how different he looked. Um, I I would never have put Toby Maguire as the adult version of this boy. In a million years, if I would have been put in charge, he looks zero like the rest of the, the actors. The other two actors, they look very, very similar. Zero like him. And I didn't catch, maybe it's because I don't watch a lot of films, but I didn't catch that it was Toby Maguire's voice through the entire first part. But then once I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? Has that been him the whole time? No. <laughs> so, well, um, but I would still recommend it. I don't know. The other side of that is, I thought the old age makeup at the end was phenomenal. Oh, what? How awesome was that? Right? Like when I, I thought uh, Kate Winslet as an older woman was that looked awesome. Was perfect. Was spot on. That was probably one of the coolest things for me. Was like, oh man, they nailed that old makeup. I'm glad that looked good because uh, I th- I thought the uh, soft focus was incredibly irritating at first. <laughs> right? It was like yeah, and I was like, so uh, this better be the best old person makeup. <laughs> That's right. And it was, because, wasn't it? Because I'm I'm having to refocus my eyes to even look at the screen right now in a movie that I wasn't really liking that much anyway, and I'm irritated. Uh, but no, I, let, let me mention real quick a couple things that I that I really liked. Uh, Gatlin Griffith has got a future. Th- this kid is quite good. And, is that the young one? The young. Yeah. Yeah, the youngest one. Yeah, he and, was uh, really I, uh, great. I thought I him entirely believable. I, I thought I thought he was quite good. Um, I also really enjoyed cooking with Josh Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> and he should get his own cooking show. And when he's making that pie, um, I I kept uh, I kept thinking, wow, he's saying all the stuff you'd say on a cooking show. It's it's it's. You it's know hilarious. that was such an awesome. I pie. really enjoyed that, that scene. That, that was, was such a great scene. Um, yeah. and if you do There's watch a lot of individual scenes oh, that I like, so good. Just, 
it didn't work for me. Yeah, it, re- I it reminded. I don't. I have this thing. Um, it just immediately put me back to uh, the TV show that should have been on much longer than it was, Pushing Daisies. Cause I love that show. Oh my goodness, such a great show. So, Aaron, tell me that you caught the uh, They Might Be Giants reference in Pushing Daisies. Uh, you know what? I it's been so long. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Oh, no. okay, okay. I'm sorry. A couple a couple episodes in, uh, they start they start singing "Birdhouse in Your Soul." Oh and, yeah, I would have like, caught that. Birdhouse in and it's on the radio, and yeah, it's it's great. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that cool. out. Oh, we should we should do a review on Pushing Daisy sometime. Ooh, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, anyway. So one final thought um, that I have to say is, in this part, did not work for me, but it also made me feel bad about myself. I, I do not like being shown up by an escaped convict in the household chores department. No! Uh, the, <laughs> the fact that he could fix everything and mop the floors and cook the dinner, that is just... Dude, if okay. you were locked up in jail and you got free, you would want to do something. Yeah, right? uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had this huge skill set. I'm pretty sure he was also a rocket scientist. Well, did like, you see him? He was a farm. He was a farm boy before that. So yeah. those farm kids, man, they not know mention, all kinds of stuff. Not to mention the last time I threw a baseball with one of my boys was probably two years ago. So you know, it's just just feeling like a failure as a husband and a father. You know, that's why you want to go to a movie. But he picked up. I can't remember if it was a violin or cello or what it was. Cello. When he picked that up, I was like, holy! Oh, of course it was a cello. <laughs> when, when he when he picked that up, I was like, holy crap! We're gonna find out that he's also like the greatest musician who ever lived. <laughs> and then he doesn't actually play anything, and I was like, thank you, film, for not going there, because yeah, it, this was getting ridiculous. It really is It really is the ultimate version of kind of the, the hooker with a heart of gold plotline, yeah. you know. It, it's, you know, just a person that you would think would be despised, and they turn out to be great, you know, and so that part didn't necessarily work for me. I think also part of my leniency with this movie and being willing to give it a little flack is I went in with very low expectations. Sure. I had heard I had I had heard nothing but you know bad things from people really? about this. Mm-hmm. I like this movie, it, and that's fine. That's why we're all here. We have different opinions. I liked it too. I liked it too. So you know, I'm a terrible girl. <laughs> yeah, and and in, in my in my defense, but also in yours, Danae, um, a lot of this movie was me kind of. I, I and and I shouldn't do that. I had a really hard time not checking off a checklist of here are things that uh, my professors back in writing school told me never to do that this oh. movie kept freaking doing. And uh, yeah, it really turned out not to be very effective. I uh, for. Mm for me because of some of that stuff. So anyway, whatever. So here's, okay. here's what I'm hearing overall. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing a uh, strong dislike from Cap. I'm hearing a strong like from Danae, and I'm hearing a mostly like from me. Does that sound about right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. All right. Here's what I want to finish with. Just a few questions that you've thrown in here through the uh, broadcast. Um, we will start with some that, that apply and then move to some that maybe don't. Um, let's see... Uh, Steve says, Steve, how, how often would you guys say a book maybe or guys say yeah? I think that he means movie. movie. How yeah. often would you guys say a movie may be superior to the book? If we're going That's to compare, don't you find it annoying when people say the book is always better? Sorry if you already answered this, which we haven't. So how do you? How often would you say the movie beats the book? Very, very rarely. Today. I would agree, but I think it's all based on preconceived notion and a man, a book, if you love reading and you get into a book, it's in your imagination. You've experienced these characters in such a fantastic way. So when you see it on film, 
there's a lot more to break through. So I, I say that for that reason, I usually enjoy the book first. Um, and in fact, I'm excited though because I did read Ender's Game anticipating that I was going to go see it in the theaters. So I'm kind of curious what that one's going to do for me. So, But you haven't seen Ender's Game yet? No, I haven't. I think, you, really missed, I think you missed your chance at the theater. Uh-uh. It's probably at like the Three Buck Theater. Oh, all right. Uh, you're what, probably what? right. What? Cheap girl. What's up? All right. So uh, I would agree. the name of the show to the, the critic, the geek, and the cheap girl. I don't know if I want that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Let's, <laughs> not, let's not go there. It's not that kind of show, people. Uh, so I would say yes. You can't um, open yourself up like that, Danae. <laughs> It's the it's the uh, movie. I would say the movie is uh, for me usually better than the book, but that's just because I'm a movie guy. And I, for me, I like them. You know what? I'm gonna change it. I like them in such completely different ways that it, I can't compare. Because I think a lot of times to expect yeah. a movie to be what a book is is ridiculous. Hey, they're, hey, they're different formats. Back off, dude. The Hobbit should saying. be the same exact thing. I'm just exactly. saying they're different formats. Okay. Um, and what it, you know, I don't know. And I think some of it does have to do with what you watch first. Sometimes, not all the time, but I think Somebody sometimes. Coming out of the movie theater and saying, "Well, that was okay, but the book was better." That that always bugs me. It really irks me. I think it's a really silly thing to say. Um, I, I think we need to be more thoughtful about these things. I don't yeah. think that you can compare two mediums like that. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I totally, yeah, that's... Totally yeah. different things, yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're talking about an adaptation of something that came first, and that sometimes sometimes a, a, a movie will be better than uh, the source material, no matter what the story, what, no matter what we're talking about. But a lot of the time, that's when you take something that wasn't very good and you make it something better. I, one of my favorite things is to see something adapted that had a lot of problems that gets fixed in the second execution. Um, that's a really interesting study when that, when that kind of thing happens. Because you do have an opportunity to improve upon things sometimes. My husband texted me and said no on the cheap girl. <laughs> Message received, babe. No problem. <laughs> no, no, that, no. I didn't say it was a good title. I, I, I want to make sure that you didn't think we should add that because, you know, Sounded like a suggestion. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, let's, cool. uh, Sorry, today's husband. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, the rest of these are questions about other things, but we can certainly address them. Um, this one came even pre-show. This is from... Where is that? There it is. This is from Kim Koo, who asks, what do you think the future holds for Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight film? Do you guys know anything about that? I have not looked into that at all. I haven't looked into this. Probably so, because I never look into movies. So here's here's what happened. Uh, basically, Quentin Tarantino, his next film was supposed to be The Hateful Eight, and there was a buzz about, you know, kind of how... Um, I think it had to do with... Oh, what was the, the Holocaust movie he made up? Um, uh, Inglorious uh, Bastards. It was, like, oh. supposed to deal with, with that. And so he had this movie, and then he released the script... And then somehow it went public, and so he said, nah, I'm not making it then if people have already seen the script. Oh, wow. So even just some commentary on how, like, you know, doing something like that, it seems to me a bit of overreaction and overkill. For Quentin to pull it and say yeah. no? Yeah, make it anyway. Yeah, that's what I would think. But I don't know. I think I think if everybody's responding positively to it, but I, I get that feeling of, man, I really wanted this to be something that kind of came out new with no sort of, again, no preconceived notion, and now people can read it, and so maybe it, he recognizes that people might be upset with how it was done now that people have been able to read it. I don't know. 
I get that, but it's also like adaptation, right? I mean, it's kind of funny. It, it sort of goes back to that a little bit where, you know, sometimes just because you already know the story doesn't mean you don't want to see it realized. Hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think that's overkill. I bet if the fans got behind it and really started to push on it, it could it could move somewhere. I mean, if it picks yeah, up its own momentum, we'll see. Well, I think it, times have there changed. Hey, Aaron. What just happened? I don't know. We've been we've been floating the show for you, though, pal. Yeah, dude. Oh man, thanks, guys. I thought it I thought it must have ended by now. No, That's well, weird. we we were thinking about ending, but um, we started talking about Steve's question about uh trailers, and we've just had a fantastic discussion. I'm so sorry you missed it. But I, I want to hear Aaron's uh, thoughts on this. Aaron, I the the question is, how do you feel about trailer links? and about uh, trailers giving too much away. Uh, I know you, you have this big thing where you like to know nothing and you don't even watch a lot of trailers. Right, but see, here's the thing. Here's what I have to preface that with. I, yeah, have, to sure. pref- I have to preface that with the fact that I see every movie. Ba- you know, back in the days when I only had 12 movies a year that I would go to, and that's even a lot for some people. You know, I would only go to you know, a, a movie a month. I wanted to see trailers because there was some stuff I wasn't going to get to see on the big screen. So even just to see some of those cool scenes on a giant screen was, you know, really cool to me to be able to see that. Of course. Um, having said that, so let's let's put myself in the mindset of those days when I liked watching trailers because it was my only, you know, chance to see some stuff. Yeah, they give way too much away. I I don't. Um, I think there are clever ways to uh, to do trailers. In fact, there's one right now that I really love. And Danae, you may have mentioned this because I know you've seen it too. Uh, the next uh, Christopher Nolan movie. Um, has a trailer out for it, uh, Interstellar, Interstellar. That I think is genius. It's great. I think it is a genius trailer. And the one that says coming next year. Yeah, or some, something that. like that. No, it, I, I like I like how they did that. It it said one year from one year from now. now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it gives it doesn't give anything away, but it builds emotion. You get a sense for the emotion and the the you know the feel of the movie. You know, back in the days, trailers actually literally involved the actors talking about the movie. Yeah. They would come on the screen and they would tell you about, hey, there's this new movie I'm doing, this is kind of what it's about. I love that stuff. That's perfect because you know why? It doesn't spoil any of those great moments that you want to give me in the theater. So that's that's how I feel. There are other movies, um, a recent example being Ride Along, where the whole movie is in the trailer. You know, I mean, it's just, and that it's seems to be more than often. It's unfortunate. I think people. I think that the, uh, they need to get more creative in their marketing. That's something that we were talking about. Is in today's age, you know, with marketing being about tweeting your friends, and it's also instant. I don't think we need to have all these months and months and months of build up showing the entire thing so that we can go into the theater. I like to be surprised. I like to have a certain ideas, um, maybe ahead of time to kind of give an idea of what I'm expecting, but. Yeah. He's absolutely right. I think we're advertising things to each other. Uh, I never thought about it like this, and I was Danae. I was just really impressed at that point. Erin, uh, she she said, you know, you go see a movie and you really like it, and then you tweet everybody you know, like that. That might be enough. <laughs> oh, that's that's far more powerful than a trailer. Yeah. That is far more powerful than a trailer. Yep. That's yeah, right. I'm sort of smart, Captain. And, and movies, it, buddy. I, I knew it. No, I, I knew it though. I had every faith in you. And movies would do well to think about that even. And I don't know, maybe it ruins the, the integrity of the film or whatever, but in the credits, to have the first thing in the credits be, hash, you know, here's the hashtags we'd like for you to use if you like this, or, you know, here's, you know, to start thinking about that in that context like TV is doing. You'll see hashtags on television all the time now, you know. <laughs> I just, now I want to see the movie that ends with like and thumbs up if you, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you enjoyed this movie. Please subscribe. <laughs> So, or there's got to be a creative way to do that, but yeah, I, I, right. I, 
I totally agree with all that. Well, guys, um, thanks to my yeah. exit or whatever happened there, I'm not even sure if this is. It says it's live and still broadcasting. Yeah. So, but it also told me five minutes ago that it had stopped broadcasting. So. Huh. We'll, we'll see how all this works out. Either way, thank you guys for being a part of this, and thank you guys for watching this, and uh, we'll be doing this in a couple more weeks. If you have things you want us to talk about, uh, once we get the new one up, make sure that you put the go to the, question, the Q&A app and uh, enter your question there. So No question is a silly question. That's if, absolutely right. And if we missed your question and you want us to answer it, well, let us know somehow. Including Aaron, question- how do they let us know? Including the question that was this time that we didn't get to, what are your views on an anarchist government in a utopian future? <laughs> we didn't quite get to that one this time, but maybe we'll get to it next time. So, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. We will answer those kind of things when we have a little bit, little bit more time. So uh, if you want to, what was the question today? If they want to do what? If they want to contact uh, us outside, would they just go to your YouTube page and leave comments on, the, on this Video? Yes, you can leave comments on this video for certain. We'll see those. Also, once again, the event page is live, which should be a week out from. You can use the Q and A app within the event page, and we'll try to to uh, get those out through social networking, um, so you can uh, make sure you get to that early. So, thanks again for watching. Uh, I'm the critic, and for the geek and the girl, uh, we appreciate you. And um, don't give everything away in your trailers. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.